0: Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. This is David Shoemaker, and I'd like to welcome you to Living Thelema. This month we're going to be talking about integrating magical practices into daily life. Um, The idea for this segment came to me when um, a listener wrote via livingthelema.com and suggested I do a piece about the Eucharist and its uses. And uh, this got me thinking that uh, I could do a segment such as this where I talk about other subtle ritual techniques, uh, magical techniques that go beyond the, the normal basic regimen, but um, include ways of staying mindful of your will, staying mindful of your magical path, integrating um, smaller sort of mini ritual into your everyday experience so that no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, there are opportunities to bring your magical techniques into the picture. So we're going to cover a number of different categories of those kinds of things, including uh, mindfulness techniques, including using uh, Eucharistic principles, um, including uh, some breath awareness, uh, pranayama techniques, um, a couple tips on sexual techniques, and just kind of a grab bag of other things you can do and and keep in your sort of magical toolbox every day um, as you go through life. So let's get started. The first thing I'm going to talk about is the concept of the Eucharist, and then we'll go into its potential uses in your daily life. And I can hardly do better than Crowley's description from chapter 20 of Magic and Theory and Practice. So I'm going to read some relevant passages from that to get you started. Of the Eucharist and of the Art of Alchemy. One of the simplest and most complete of magic ceremonies is the Eucharist. It consists in taking common things, transmuting them into things divine, and consuming them. So far, it is a type of every magic ceremony, for the reabsorption of the force is a kind of consumption, but it has a more restricted application as follows. Take a substance, symbolic of the whole course of nature, make it God, and consume it. There are many ways of doing this, but they may easily be classified according to the number of the elements of which the sacrament is composed. The highest form of the Eucharist is that in which the element consecrated is one. It is one substance, and not two, not living and not dead, neither liquid nor solid, neither hot nor cold, neither male nor female. This sacrament is secret in every respect. For those who may be worthy, although not officially recognized as such, this Eucharist has been described in detail and without concealment, somewhere in the published writings of the Master Therion. But he has told no one where. It is reserved for the highest initiates and is synonymous with the accomplished work on the material plane. It is the medicine of metals, the stone of the wise, the potable gold, the elixir of life that is consumed therein. The altar is the bosom of Isis, the Eternal Mother. The chalice is, in effect, the cup of Our Lady Babylon herself. The wand is that which was, and is, and is to come. The Eucharist of two elements has its matter of the passives. The wafer, panticle, is of corn, typical of earth. The wine, cup, represents water. There are certain other attributions. The wafer is the sun, for instance, and the wine is appropriate to Bacchus. The wafer may, however, be more complex, the cake of light described in Liber Legis. This is used in the exoteric mass of the phoenix, mixed with the blood of the magus. This mass should be performed daily at sunset by every magician. Corn and wine are equivalent to flesh and blood. But it is easier to convert live substances into the body and blood of God than to perform this miracle upon dead matter. The Eucharist of three elements has for its basis the symbols of the three gunas. For tamas, darkness, take opium or nightshade or some sleepy medicine. For rajas, activity, take strychnine or other excitant. For sattva, calm, the cakes of light may again be suitable. The Eucharist of four elements consists of fire, air, water, and earth. These are represented by a flame for fire, by incense or roses for air, by wine for water, and by bread and salt for earth. The Eucharist of five elements has for its basis wine for taste, a rose for smell, a flame for sight, a bell for sound, and a dagger for touch. This sacrament is implied in the Mass of the Phoenix in a slightly different form. The Eucharist of six elements has Father, Son, and Holy Spirit above, breath, water, and blood beneath. It is a sacrament reserved for high initiates. The Eucharist of seven elements is mystically identical with that of one. Of the method of consecrating the elements, it is only necessary to say that they should be treated as talismans. The circle and other furniture of the temple should receive the usual benefit of the banishings and consecrations— The oath should be taken, and the invocations made. When the divine force manifests in the elements, they should be solemnly consumed. There is also a simpler method of consecration reserved for initiates of high rank, of which it is here unlawful to speak. According to the nature of the sacrament, so will its results be. In some, one may receive a mystic grace, culminating in samadhi. In others, a simpler and more material benefit may be obtained. The highest sacrament, that of one element, is universal in its operation. According to the declared purpose of the work, so will the result be. It is a universal key of all magic. A Eucharist of some sort should most assuredly be consummated daily by every magician, and he should regard it as the main sustenance of his magical life. It is of more importance than any other magical ceremony, because it is a complete circle. The whole of the force expended is completely reabsorbed, yet the virtue is that vast gain represented by the abyss between man and God. The magician becomes filled with God, fed upon God, intoxicated with God. Little by little his body will become purified by the internal lustration of God. Day by day his mortal frame, shedding its earthly elements, will become in very truth the temple of the Holy Ghost. Day by day, matter is replaced by spirit, the human by the divine. Ultimately, the change will be complete. God manifest in flesh will be his name. This is the most important of all magical secrets that ever were or are or can be. To a magician thus renewed, the attainment of the knowledge and conversation of the holy guardian angel becomes an inevitable task. Every force of his nature, unhindered, tends to that aim and goal of whose nature neither man nor God may speak. For that it is infinitely beyond speech, or thought, or ecstasy, or silence. Samadhi and Bana are but its shadows cast upon the universe. Now, there's really no limit to the different ways one could integrate Eucharist into one's daily magical work, but... uh, let me give a couple examples. One, obviously, that I've already mentioned in this passage from Magic and Theory and Practice is the Mass of the Phoenix. There'll be a link to that on the blog. Um, another example of how a Eucharist of four elements could be ritualized and performed um, is in the Golden Dawn Neophyte ritual. At the end of their neophyte ritual, they they do a Um, process known as the mystic repast, and if you look in the the Neophyte Ritual, uh, there'll be a link to it on the blog, Um, you can see how that could be worded and performed. It's just a way of taking the four elements and um, sequentially experiencing them, uh, communing with them, and uh, it's a good example of of one way to work with it. But uh, more immediately, in terms of a Thelemic approach to this, uh, explicitly Thelemic, Um, you could look at the Gnostic Mass, again, there's going to be a link on the blog, um, to see how you might adapt this to be uh, your own personal mini-mass, a a little ritual that you can do yourself, by yourself, um, daily. Um, That would be a Eucharist of two elements. Now, if you look at the structure of the Gnostic Mass, it's not hard to see how you might be able to turn this into a ritual um, you could use on your own, or perhaps with a partner as well, but uh, if you start with section six, at the consecration of the elements, and just uh, with your with your wine and your your host handy, there you can just walk yourself through those uh, those procedures of consecrating the elements and then invoking the force, divine force, locking that into the elements, combining them and consuming them. Uh, basically, that's section six, seven, and eight in the mass. Now, there's an interesting opportunity here to bring in some visualization techniques um, and kind of bind them on to the magical benefit of performing this Eucharist ceremony. Um, Probably many of you have uh, run across the idea that you can uh, visualize a desired outcome. And by focusing thought and intention on that desired outcome, it is said that you can increase the probability of the outcome occurring. Um, now, you can be as skeptical as you like about that theory, but I do encourage you to to practice it and come to your own conclusions. And one way you could integrate that principle with the Eucharist that I've just described based on the Mass would be um, to hold in mind a certain desired outcome throughout the process, the, the building intensity of consecrating the elements and invoking the force and uh, then uniting the elements and consuming them. Um, you hold the desired outcome in mind, and then upon consuming that Eucharist, charged with that idea, you embody the, the outcome. You are like a, uh, a computer that is ready to be programmed with the right software, and the software you've created is the desired outcome. It's the program that you're giving to your new self to run. So um, just something you might want to play with. Um, The more intensely and vividly you can visualize the desired outcome, the the more effective I've I've found it to be. Um, Make it as vivid as possible in terms of the emotions involved, the way you will feel when you have that outcome attained, Um, the way that you will think about yourself in your life when you have that outcome attained the way your life itself will take shape when the outcome is there. So the more vivid it is, the more of your neurons you sort of program to um, to be oriented toward making it actually manifest. So that's uh, enough about the Eucharist and related ceremonies for now. Let's talk about mindfulness practices. Now, some of these are core curriculum in AA, such as Libra Resh, um, four adorations of the sun during the day that... Um, include as one of their most important benefits, I think, the, the re- reminding of oneself of the magical lame, the devotional aspect of uh, adoring the solar principle, um, whether that's conceived of as an inner or outer principle that you're, that you're adoring. Um, will, the practice of will at meals is another mindfulness practice. You're bringing your attention to the fact that The consumption of food is for sustenance of your body, for the execution of your true will. Um, Now, you can extend that concept to any task. Anything you're doing during the day can and should be recognized as a contribution to the execution of your true will. You know, it is your will to get in the car and drive to work so that you can earn money, so that you can have shelter and free time in order to pursue your magical work so that you can um, further your education in order to expand your mind and increase your uh, mental vehicle as a vessel of your true will. So you can see how this goes. Uh, Anything you're doing, um, you put in service to will, and if you find that you're having difficulty explaining to yourself why something you're doing is in service to your true will. That's an important piece of data in terms of that thing you're doing. Maybe you need to rethink your, your priorities and your time management. If you can't describe to yourself how anything at all that you're doing is in service to the will, even if you don't know what your true will is explicitly, um, The theory behind this would say that everyone's true will uh, at the beginning of the path is to move towards knowledge and conversation. So um, whatever you're doing should in some way or another be uh, a tool, a step, a path towards that outcome. Another thing you can do, uh, which is sort of a mindfulness practice and sort of a a balancing practice in your daily life, is – Uh, You know, In in the early stages of the path, one of the ways we conceptualize what we're trying to do is to be a balanced vessel, a balanced microcosm. And that's often described in terms of the pentagram. You're uh, balanced in the four elements in spirit. So how can you be mindful of that? How can you live your life in such a way that makes it more likely for you to embody that balance? Well, have a daily practice that you note in your diary every day that corresponds to the five elements. Um, For example, each day, have a little code. Um, I did this for for many months a few years ago. Um, For example, S is spirit, F is fire, W is water, A is air, E is earth. And each day you're going to write in, at the end of the day, um, those five letters and then a number from 1 to 10 that is a rating of how much you embodied that aspect of self so earth how well did you take care of your body that day 1 to 10 air how well did you attend to the um, the aspects of your subconscious and, and uh, sexuality and you know the the Yasod idea um, for water how much emphasis did you put on a well functioning intellect that day for fire, how did you do in terms of devotion to your goal, um, devotion to the angel, uh, aspiration to the great work? And for spirit, how receptive were you to simply to the, the light of spirit manifesting through your life? Was your magical lamp lit uh, above your head, so to speak? Um, so if you spend each day in... Um, mindful awareness of how you are embodying the pentagram uh, you may find sure enough that you actually embody it better than before um, another technique uh, involves uh, sexual practices i reference this briefly in my segment on sexual magic and mysticism but just as a reminder here in this place uh, Any time that you have sexual climax, you can devote that ecstasy to Nuit or to your holy guardian angel. Um, by doing so, you, uh, in my experience, and in the experience of those I've supervised, you can kind of hone the power of your will. You align that will force, that ecstatic will force, with the universe itself and therefore you become um, a vessel for the power of the universe in your life. Now let's move on to some pranayama practices. These are in many ways mindfulness practices as well. For example, the simple process of breath awareness, uh, being mindful of the passage of the air in and out of your lungs and that sort of thing is is very powerful when when done mindfully and with repetition. Um, the practice called Mahasati Patana uh, basically is begins with a, a simple mantra like observance silently as you're as you're breathing that the breath is moving in the breath is moving out, and the next thing you know your awareness has actually shifted to the reality that maybe what's a little closer to what you're actually experiencing is that there's a sensation that the breath is moving in and out. And then, with further practice, maybe you become aware that what you're really experiencing, what's truer, is that there's a perception of a sensation that the breath is moving in and out. And then maybe, later still, you become aware that what really seems true now is that it is a Perception of a tendency to have a sensation that the breath is moving in and out, and and so on. Um, what's really happening here, the the what I think is the deeper purpose of this, is to disidentify with the everyday ego as the center of consciousness. You are, by aid of practices like this, starting to identify more with superconsciousness with that divine seed within you rather than um, your everyday ego. And just watching the breath and watching what is watching the breath, uh, experiencing what is the real observer here um, can be a pretty powerful experience. Also along the lines of ego disidentification, as I like to call it, um, here's a mindfulness practice that also will help you um, begin to identify more with superconsciousness consciousness in, in moment-to-moment awareness. Um, no matter what is happening to you, no matter how much you like or dislike the reality right in front of you at the present moment, be mindful that you are consciously willing it to be so. You're choosing your present reality. It uh, might be a little truer to say that the HGA has constructed the present reality to be the perfect opportunity for your growth, to be exactly the lesson you need at any given moment to hone you into the perfect vessel for the indwelling of the angel. Um, the, the truth behind this, I think, as I as I've alluded to before, is that if you push away the reality right in front of you, if you reject that aspect of Nuit that is manifesting in your life right at that moment. It's like you're refusing to locate yourself on a map and then expecting yourself to get somewhere on the map. How can you proceed to enact your will to follow your path forward to a goal if you refuse to acknowledge where you are as a starting place? And that's what you're doing if you're not embracing the reality right in front of you, even if you dislike it from the ego standpoint. Uh, Embrace all the universe offers you in your daily life, whether your ego likes it or not, and you maximize your ability to move forward in accordance with your true will. Now that covers the, the basic content I wanted to talk about today. And I hope that if you just take these very, you know, simple suggestions and run with them and, and uh, experiment with different ways of integrating them into your life, you'll find that what we're really talking about today in this segment is more than probably any other uh, living Thelema segment I've done. This is really about living Thelema every day, moment to moment, bringing the magic in to your daily life. So I hope you found this useful. I look forward to receiving your comments and uh, requests for future segments as always. Um, the podcast blog at speechinthesilence.com has uh, resources as well as um, I put those resources on livingthelema.com. Um, also at livingthelema.com you can find my bio, more about my, my work. We have a Facebook page for Living Thelema and emailed suggestions to me should go to livingthelema at me.com. Thanks very much for listening. Love is the law, love under will.